0: In 1901, there lived in Paris a young couple whose names were Jacques Maritain and his girlfriend, Reissa. Uh, that's Jacques uh, on the next slide. That's him. Um, and the next slide is uh, Reissa, his girlfriend. Uh, so at the time, he was 19 and she was 18. They were students, Jacques Uh, was a student of philosophy, and Ressa was a poet. They were both agnostic and had come to the point of being deeply disillusioned with life and the prevailing philosophical worldview of Paris at that time. And so they made a pact that if they couldn't find the meaning of life by the end of the academic year, they would end it all together. And so in their exploration, they came across the spiritual writings of Léon Bloy, who, among other things, said that there was only one real sadness in life, and that was not to be a saint. And somewhat strangely, that had a tremendous impact on Jacques and Arissa and they became Christians as a result. And uh, they both went on to serve the Lord in tremendous ways. But what Bloy was saying is that life can be filled with all kinds of ambitions and goals. And we can think of the usual list of suspects, money, sex, power, success, but at the end of the day, they are mere trivia compared to becoming a saint. Today is All Saints Day when we remember the saints that have gone before us and that in this present moment, we ourselves are being and becoming saints. And the word saint is related in the ancient languages to the word holy. A saint is a person who, over time, is becoming holy or sanctified. And the dynamic here is that because of our relationship with Christ, we change over time and grow to be holy as he is. It's not a virtue that is intrinsic to who we are, but rather it's because of who Christ is and our relationship with him. And so the Christian life could be summarized. As being all about becoming a friend of Christ. Not Christ becoming one of my friends, as if Christ was one more friend on my list of friends. There's a subtle distinction here, but very important. But rather about becoming a friend of Christ. This is the way of holiness. This is the meaning of life. This is our human purpose it's to say with Paul from Galatians 2 verse 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, some may take this to mean that God somehow takes over our personalities. And I've heard many debates uh, with atheists who claim this very very thing. Oh, you would, you know, sort of giving up on all your qualities of your character, being subsumed by God, you know, losing our autonomy in our personalities. We lose our rights and freedom, they argue. We somehow get gobbled up in the super personal entity we call God. There's no room left for us. But this is simply not the case, because there's a deep paradox at the heart of our faith, and it is this. As I lose myself in God, I find my true self. And as I yield myself to God's will, I discover who I was truly meant to be. You see, God is not competitive in regard to my rights and my freedoms, as if to grow closer to God means that we somehow lose these things. No, God is not like a competitor. It's not a zero-sum game. As we yield ourselves to God, we find our true freedom and our true selves. It's something like a marriage relationship where the two become one, and the one is greater than the sum of the parts. But I must yield myself to the other to gain this new dimension. Or it's like the burning bush. When Moses caught sight of the burning bush uh, in the book of Exodus, he noticed that it burned brightly, but it was not consumed. In the same way, when we experience Christ living in us, we burn brightly, but God does not consume us. The saints burn with a holy love for God and for others. They're often portrayed in art with a halo, a way of conveying that the saints had a certain luminosity about them. They shone with the fire of God, but were not consumed. Is there someone in your life who is a mature Christian who shines with Christ's light and Christ's love that you can think of? Perhaps you yourself are that person for someone else. You see, God is not competitive. God is not suffocating. God enables us to shine with Christ's love. This is the path to our true humanity and the fullness of life. And you only have to look at some of the heroes and heroines of our faith to realise that although they have grown deeply in their friendship with Christ and come uh, come from a whole variety of backgrounds, different cultures, languages, so many of them also have very what we would call colourful personalities. Take Paul, for example. His writings reflect a passionate, articulate pastor and evangelist. But you can detect many aspects of his personality from his writings. Um, The next slide is on the screen. There she is. Uh, She is Mother Mary Joseph Aubert, known to many of you, I'm sure, who founded the Daughters of Our Lady of Compassion. She was born in a small village in France and suffered a serious accident when she was young, which left her disabled for a number of years. In fact, the photos you see of her today shows this disability. But she became a nun, traveled to New Zealand in 1860, and worked with Maori at Jerusalem on the Wanganui River, and then in Wellington, where she worked with the urban poor. Today, there is a facility in Island Bay, which is, uh, some of you have been to it, I'm sure, which is where, which was the base of the uh, Daughters of Our Lady of Compassion. But uh, Mary Joseph undertook food programs, medical care. She was a nurse. She nursed uh, those who were sick, education, looked after orphans, and even found, tested, and sold herbal remedies. There's a lovely wee display in Island Bay showing some of these remedies that she Uh, discovered or found from elsewhere and bottled up and and passed on to people. But um, Mother Mary was uh, a formidable character with lots of ideas and boundless energy. Our next slide is another one, Uh, Octavius Hadfield. Octavius was born in 1814 and wanted to be a missionary, but he suffered from asthma and his university studies were disrupted. Eventually, he came to New Zealand in 1839, determined to serve God faithfully in what he expected to be a short life. He actually lived until he was 90. But he became a great evangelist and teacher of the Māori people on the Kapiti Coast and had a positive influence on both Māori and Pākehā leaders. He became Bishop of Wellington in 1870. He was determined, bold, and energetic. He didn't shrink from conflict when he took a principled stand. His nickname, which was given to him by New Zealand politicians at the time, was the political parson, because he would stand up for the right, and they thought he was meddling in politics. Of course he wasn't. He was just doing the right thing. So we have Paul, Mother Orbear, and Octavius Hadfield, just a few, three of the saints we recognize, all with strong and colorful personalities. Not grey, insipid automatons, but rather people whom God had filled and enabled to grow in holiness. As their friendship with Christ grew, so their own capacity for life and love and service was enhanced. And this brings me to a practical application, just to ground this conversation about saints a little bit more. Consider the final verse of our Gospel reading which says, do to others as you would have them do to you. This is, of course, known as the golden rule, and I'm sure you learned it at Sunday school and other places, but I propose that the saints, and that includes you and I at this point, all have both a friendship with Christ, that's the internal dimension, as well as an ethical code to live by, the heart and the mind. We've just spoken about Paul's phrase, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the heart dimension that changes us and helps us to grow into all our potential as children of God. But the rational dimension, the mind side of things, is encapsulated in the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. And it guides us in the outworking of the spiritual life on the ground, day by day, in practical ways. Now, versions of the golden rule were quite common in antiquity, but almost always they were cast in the negative form. In other words, don't do to others what you would not want them to do to you. And I, indeed, this is the way many parents will put it today. Don't steal Johnny's lunch. You wouldn't want him to steal your lunch, would you? That's just an example. But there's a distinct difference between the positive and the negative form. The command not to do something is easily measured, whereas the command to do something is less easily measured. We know quite definitely when we have not done a particular thing. But we never know with the same degree of certainty whether we've done all we could in fulfilment of a positive command. Here's an example. Instead of saying that we we must not hate our neighbor, Christianity says we must love our neighbor. But we can never quantify that command, can we? But the point is this. The golden rule in its positive form as taught by Jesus can never be fully obeyed because it's so open-ended. And we can never feel we've quite ticked it off. But that's a good thing. Because our faith is not about box ticking. We can never earn God's acceptance by feeling as though we've made it and done everything we could do. Instead, it's about receiving the free, unmerited grace of God. And that's how it is for saints. In spite of the quality of their lives, their kindness, their love and service, they invariably feel the need of God's grace. Yes, we are called to obey the golden rule, but not to earn the favour of God, but rather as a joyful outworking of the presence and friendship of Jesus Christ in our hearts. We began with the story of Jacques Maritain, who became a Christian because of what Leon Bloy had written, that we can have many sadnesses in life, but the one that really matters is not, is not to become a saint. Not to become the person that Christ wants you to be. Not to become a friend of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we can only get that, then our whole perspective changes. Because it really is the most important thing. God in Christ dwells in us, but he does not consume us. And out of gratitude for God's grace, we want to love our neighbour and live a life of service and love. Today is All Saints Day, and we look in two directions. Back in time to the great examples of faith that inspire us so much. Paul, Mother Orbea, Octavius Hadfield, and so many more. But we also look around. We are sitting among saints this morning. And it's because Christ lives in us. Let's be inspired to nurture our friendship with Christ so that his love and kindness shines out through our lives. Amen.